0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Food, School, Smarter, Stronger, Leaner podcast. Today is Tuesday and we are continuing with our journey to eating better, healthier, making smarter food choices, to feel better, to look better, perform better better on so many levels. So hey guys, how's your sleep going? Did you start working on your Sleep routine, as we talked yesterday, sleep routine that not only contributes to your weight loss on your fat loss, but also defines your performance mentally, physically, your creativity, your good feelings, your optimism, your happy uh, vibes, and so many other things. You cannot skip on sleep, guys, so check back the episode yesterday if you haven't yet and start working on your sleep routine, like your life depends on it, because guess what? It actually does. Today, we are continuing our conversation about our genetics. So today will be food preferences and genetics. On Friday, we will continue with food intolerances in and genetics. And on Saturday, we will conclude all the information about genetics, genetic and metabolism, and weight loss, and fat loss, and exercise performance, and food, and everything. And I will give you a few actionable steps that will that you can use today, uh, applied to your genetic testing and to your genetic uh, heritage and potential to get the most out of your nutrition habits, uh, most out of your nutrition choices. Today, as I mentioned already, we are talking about food preferences and genetics. So I continuing reading information and report from Precision Nutrition, where I studied. It's a comprehensive report on everything related to genetic testing, uh, as for right now, and usable data from that. So for today, I've researched more the data for food preferences and uh, our genes. Do we like sweet things or bitter things or uh, fattier things because of our genes or because of something else. From all the data, guys, our taste, our preferences for sweeter things, for bitter things, for fattier things or aversion to bitter taste, uh, things like dark chocolate or vegetables or uh, black coffee and um, really strong tea. Do those preferences are genetic or, again, uh, something else, they're caused by something else? And from all the data, from all the comparisons of genetic materials of people and their actual preferences for food, it seems, guys, that genes do not play a huge role in your preferences for bitter, fattier or sweet uh, foods, even though it seems that when it comes to fattier foods and when it comes to bitter foods, there is more evidence that some genes can affect your preferences and tolerance for bitter or for fattier foods. So for example, if you try fatty foods and it tastes too rich for you, like take myself, I can eat a few avocados. I can eat butter by the spoon without nothing added. I don't need any sugar or any sweet to that. I can just add the whole stick of butter without no problem, and it's not going to be too rich for me. That's how fat-loving I am. And as far as I can tell you, I always love my fats and proteins. And But then also, again, my personal example. Take my breakfast. When I was a kid... I grew up in a traditional Russian family. And for breakfast, we usually had two things, some variation of that. Either hot cereal that was not some modern dessert-like cereal. It was more of like kind of a little bit sweet, maybe, might be not, um, cereal with a little bit of butter, maybe a little bit of sweet, but um, it didn't taste really sweet and it was hot. Or the other variation of our breakfast would be um, a couple of open sandwiches, what we call butter brody in Russian, uh, with salami, with some cheese, some hot tea, and maybe a few vegetables. So that was my breakfast. So kind of, you know, nothing spectacular or nothing really extraordinary. But then, in my teenage years, I got more into training into going to the gym, working out bodybuilding fitness culture, and I started learning more about nutrition and different micronutrients and how to get clean and how to you know look different uh, in a good kind of way in a healthy and fit kind of way and I started to uh, eat more protein, more healthy fats, I started to think about my carbohydrates, and I uh, would eat uh, either some oatmeal, not sweet, with some eggs, or just omelet with some vegetables and something like that. That's how my breakfast changed. And I loved it too. And then uh, in a couple of years, I was doing raw vegan diet. I even got certified as a raw vegan chef. And I lived in Thailand and Malaysia and Indonesia for three years. And at that time, I was close to for being fruitarian. So my breakfast was bananas, mangoes, or whatever fruit I um, got from the market fresh that morning. So that was my breakfast back then and that breakfast was probably the sweetest I've ever had in my life and I loved it too but I kind of I kind of was missing my fats and protein and uh, also uh, after a while being on a vegan diet I didn't really feel my best. So I switched, I started transition to uh, keto and low carb lifestyle, and I started to learn more about it. And then after a while, I I got more knowledge and certifications uh, in nutrition and transitioned to being a nutrition coach and transitioned into uh, low carb keto nutrition. uh, And also just learn more about nutrition as our our knowledge about nutrition as society evolved. My breakfast changed quite a bit too. Now my breakfast is some sort of combination of personal preference and all the knowledge that I've accumulated uh, recently and over the past few years while on my keto journey, low carb journey. So now my breakfast is some sort of fatty fish uh, with all the omega-3 fatty acids that we know are so amazing for us and that we cannot survive healthy without. Then also it's usually half a whole avocado with all the monounsaturated fats, with all the fiber, additional vitamins and minerals. Then it's 1 or 2 eggs with all the good protein and healthy fats and vitamin D and A and so many other vitamins. And then it's some sort of probiotic rich vegetable. So usually these days is um, some kind of a kind of sauerkraut with maybe some beets or carrots in it or maybe without so some sort of pickled vegetables to add some health to my uh, gut health to add some healthy bacteria right first thing in the morning to jump start my healthy eatings right healthy eating habits right first thing in the morning so um, you can see how my habits changed not so much because my Taste preferences changed or because my genes changed, they obviously didn't change, uh, but more because of what I've learned. Uh, and also, you know, as a kid, as a teenager, I used to hate vegetables as a lot of kids do. And I believe it's because of all those antioxidants and bitter compounds that uh, create a mild stress or hermesis on our cells, creating this environment where. Our cells get stronger and tougher through exposure to mild stress. But I believe as kids, our cells do not really need the stress. And our immune system is not as strong yet. And we need more nutrients for growth and for development, not to lose weight or burn fat. Uh, It's not our most important husk of our body at that moment. So I believe that's why a lot of kids and uh, young teenagers, we don't really love vegetables. But again, as I grew um, older, as I grew more mature and my body changed, now I love my vegetables. Like I really, really love my Brussels sprouts, my broccoli, my spinach, my dandelion greens, the more greener, the bitter, the merrier. I love my bitter olive oil, the Bitter, the better. The more bite it has, the better. Um, I love 100% dark chocolate, and believe it or not, I love it 100%. I need no sweetness added to it. I love it just like that, 100%. I love my dark, really uh, rich coffee, black coffee with no sweetness added to it. I love espresso, black, just like that. I love my green tea, the bitter, the better. <laughs> so I really love my beet taste and my health seems to improve uh, because of that, uh, and yes, I enjoy my sweet taste usually from fruits these days once in a while, once in a blue moon, more like because I don't really miss sweet taste, but I used to love sweets too, um, as a young girl. And my father has sweet tooth, he still kind of has it, even though um, you know he's in his 60s, but he loves his sweets. <laughs> still, I kind of get over it. Uh, also, another thing to think about. In many cultures, you can see how people prefer different things for breakfast, and breakfast usually is the meal where people retain their family, their cultural traditions the most, maybe because it's the um, most, it's the um, it's the meal that people usually have the most um, control over and they usually have it at home. So in Sweden, uh, people love herring and feta fish and maybe some rye bread, maybe some caviar, um, some sort of open sandwich like that. Uh, in Japan, they love their miso soup and maybe some other uh, fermented uh, soft. To- Fermented tofu products uh, and uh, a lot of all kinds of pickled vegetables. uh, And also they love their fish and their seaweed. And yes, uh, you know, I had a a Japanese friend uh, um, a while back uh, in New York. And once she invited me for breakfast, and yes, we had miso soup. (laughs) Even in New York, it was still traditional Japanese breakfast. Uh, And then in Africa, in some tribes, they have this tradition to eat uh, fermented Corn hot porridge, and uh, in US, you know, a lot of families would have that concoction of sweetness of different kinds of sweet stuff, like orange juice and cereal, and uh, maybe some sandwiches, some stuff like that. So, as you can see, uh, you might notice that our food preferences are often shaped more. But by our habits, by our family, by our traditions, by our own learnings and our goals in life. Uh, not so much by what we are genetically designed to laugh, And also, you know, our taste buds change. Uh, and they say our taste buds uh, Change and die and are born again every 10 days. So, if for example you drink your coffee or tea super sweet with a couple of tablespoons of sugar or more, and uh, if you try it without sugar, it usually tastes weird. But if you try to do that for 30 days, having black coffee or tea instead of sugary drink, then at the end of those 30 days, your sugary stuff will taste weird to you, uh, and even if you might still prefer it a little bit sweeter, probably not as sweet as you used to love. Just you know, if you don't believe me, do this experiment or even better experiment for you try for 30 days to completely change your like breakfast for. Maybe something like mine, you know, some fatty fish, some pickled vegetables, some um, a couple of eggs and do it for 30 days and see how you feel after it. maybe change your whole menu uh, because it's better for you, because you know it's better for you. And after a month, you'll notice that your food preference has changed and you tend to want and crave and miss these healthier foods now or just different foods. And that again tells you that... That we uh, humans, we tend to love things not so much because of our genetics, but because of our culture, because of our family traditions, because of what is going on around uh, us, because of our own choices and learnings. Uh, and we learn how to love certain things and how to not love certain things. And also, you know, our taste, of course, can be uh, influenced by our gut health. Because, believe it or not, uh, taste buds... Or Taste receptors, better say, they're not only in our mouth, they are also in our intestines, in our colon, in our stomach, and they produce different hormones, satiety hormones including, uh, and also the the, the whole um, taste experience is... Form, not in your mouth, but actually your brain tells you how anything tastes and whether you like it or not. So you taste certain chemicals in your mouth and then taste receptors transmit that signal to your brain. And then also the signals from your uh, nose, from your you know smelling receptors, they also add uh, a component, a pretty big component actually, without uh, smelling anything, you hardly... Taste anything, and actually, we have only you know few tastes that we can distinguish without um, smells. Like we can taste bitter, sweet, sour, you know, salty, all this stuff, but without smells, we cannot differentiate between sweet and strawberry and sweet in banana. Believe it or not, but maybe you remember when you know this stuff, you don't uh, taste that many differences, and most of the food actually tastes pretty bland. So what you taste in your mouth, the smells, uh, it all transmits into your brain, and then brain uh, creates this flavor experience and that's where most that's that's why we are able to differentiate between so many different flavors because our brain is so amazing uh in at creating all these flavor differentiations uh, it's not because of your mouth or because of your nose and because of our amazing brain so guys, uh, to recap what we are learning today. We're learning today that even if you think you cannot tolerate your broccoli or your Brussels sprouts or your bitter chocolate or your black coffee, if you think you hate it or you genetically <laughs> designed not to love things that are healthy for you, it's probably not truth, guys. The truth is probably that... You just haven't learned how to love those things and you don't have a habit of eating them on a regular basis and probably on tradition, in your family culture, it It wasn't a thing to eat those healthy things. And that's why you don't have preferences for them. But change your habits now as an adult, because you know what uh, is better for you. Change your habits now and you learn how to love those things. Plus, learn how to cook your vegetables and how to cook your bitter and healthier things. And you can always make something tasty. A lot of people ask me how to love my vegetables. And I always tell them... Learn how to cook them. That's a bulletproof solution, guys. Uh, I do not like um, raw Brussels sprouts or raw broccoli either. I I don't even love them steamed, really. I kind of hate them steamed. But I do love them when they're roasted and with a little bit of salt and and spices and herbs and maybe with a little bit of olive oil, uh, I can eat the whole bucket of them. I swear, (laughs) I did it. So um, yeah, to recap, your taste preferences are not your genetic material. It's your culture, your learnings, your habits. And the best part about it is you can change it. So do that because you're worth it and because you deserve it and because the better your eating habits, the longer and more amazing and disease-free and healthier and full of energy your life going to be. And that's the lesson you want to learn today. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Tomorrow, we will talk about book The Longevity Solution, all the recent studies about the nutrition and the substances that helps us to live longer and healthier the blog about this book you already can find um on create yourself that today the link is also going to be in the show notes today and tomorrow so check that out and stay tuned tomorrow for the longevity solution by dr jason fung and dr james d D nico antonio so stay tuned for this episode tomorrow and till next time as usual eat better daily